The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. That's Q Myers. I'm J.D. Jason Horowitz will step up, the voice of the silver and black, and we'll look ahead to the Seattle Seahawks game. But, Q, we begin with the win at Denver, a must-win. The Raiders came together that overtime performance was epic as the Raiders get out of there with a sweep. Yeah, that was big for the Raiders. They needed to find a way to win a one-score game, right? They hadn't done it all season long. They were 0-6. They heard all the conversation about it. Of course, Derek Carr was emotional at the podium. Devontae Adams was frustrated in the locker room following the loss of the Colts, and so they had to come together. This was going to be an interesting week. where They could go one of two ways. They could all come together like a band of brothers and have a good performance, go out of there with a victory, or they can just kind of go by the wayside and they, they they chose option A, right? They decided to come together, and especially in the second half in overtime, really came together and made it work and got that victory. Well, they had to win that game. They could not lose their seventh one-score game right. dramatically against an opponent, a rival in the division. And we knew that coming in, building up to it, as we talked about it last week on Raiders Roundtable. They had to have a moment, and they had a couple of them in that game. Yeah. And we're going to get to Max Crosby's epic performance, Devontae was just a god again. Derek stepped up. But I think we should open this one talking about the coach. Been pressure on the coach, Mm -hmm. and the coach stepped up. I thought he called an outstanding game, especially late in that game. There's been a lot of heat on this organization and the coach, and they had to quiet the noise. How often have I told you? Every week, quiet everything down. They believe in the plan. They have a plan to sustain this over a long period of time, but you got to win games, and that was a game they had to have. Right. You have to see the results of your, your work, right? You have to see some W's or else the players are going to start questioning, like, is this the right direction? Well, Josh McDaniels, as you mentioned, called a really good game. And, oh, by the way, he went back to Denver, which is a very hostile environment. Nobody in Denver is a fan of Josh McDaniels. You know, the fans were super amped up throughout the course of the game. They were trying to give him a little bit more juice. And, you know, all week long, no matter when we talked to him in the media session, he kept it very cool. It's just about the next game. It's just another team. It's not a big deal because he used to coach there in Denver. And I thought that that was a great approach and also showed great leadership with his team. And so they go to Denver and they they get a victory, and it was a tough-fought victory, but they got it done. And so I thought that was a well, 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 good performance for the whole team. Yeah, a lot of things needed to happen in that game. Still concerned about the penalties. They got to kind of clean up the it's penalties here. We've been talking about these pre-snap penalties starting behind the line of scrimmage. That's something that coach has been talking about. He'll talk about it more this week heading into Seattle. But they were resilient in that game. Mm-hmm. It's next man up. How long have we been talking about that? No Waller, no Renfro. Uh, Clearly, the defense stepped up when they had to. Patrick Graham was getting a lot of heat. There's no Nate Hobbs in that game. They got guys coming off the practice squad. Tillery, who they signed early in the right. week, had a big push. So, Q, to me, it was about everybody coming together, winning a game at all costs. And I felt like that. I thought the energy level was superb. And I thought they had more cardio. They had more energy late in that game. They had to come from behind again, right. which is, seems to be the story of this season, having a big lead or having to come from behind. But I just... Just can't stop talking about overtime right. and the way they just clicked. And can we see that type of football cue in the first, second, third quarter, the way they played with that type of energy? And I think back against the wall mentality in overtime.
overtime. You know, I think it was big that Deron Harmon, who's the veteran safety, been around for many moons. He knows what he's doing. You know, been there, done that. He pointed out to in practice, and this is something Max Crosby mentioned after the game. Josh Jacobs mentioned it after the game. There wasn't enough energy when good plays happen, even on the sidelines. Guys weren't celebrating their their good plays that they saw their teammates making. And he pointed it out in film study and said, "Hey, guys, this is where we need to celebrate and congratulate each other. We're not doing that. Let's get that going." And so some of that energy you saw on Sunday is some of that energy that Deron Harmon pointed out during the practice week. Games are won during the practice week. You know what I mean? Like you, you really get your core together during the practice week. And I think Deron Harmon played a major role. How about Harmon getting carted off the field and coming back? Right. Let's point that out. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times huge. guys get carted off the field if they walk off and they need some help. They're in the locker room. You never see them again. Right. And he couldn't get back out there quick enough. And that was another important moment. Mm-hmm. As you looked at this game, it felt like it was desperate. You wish the schedule and you wish the record was better going into this game here, but they had to show up. They had to have a moment. And as we'll get to later, this, the locker room celebration, yes. it just seemed like to me, Q, there was a big weight taken off of everybody's shoulders there. Coaches, the yep. GM was in the locker room celebrating, Mad Max, and then they're all waiting for Derek Carr to come back in, chanting his name. They needed this. I wish it would have happened earlier in the season, mm-hmm. but hey, it happened now, and we don't have to talk about waiting for it to come again. You talk about quieting the noise all the time. That locker room celebration quieted all the noise that really needed to, to be did. quieted, right? I mean, there was so much conversation leading up to that game. Are these guys together? Are they following their coach? Are they following their quarterback? Well, that celebration in the locker room told me all that I needed to know. Yes, they're following their head coach and Josh McDaniels, and please believe they're following their quarterback in D.C., or they're not chanting D.C., D.C., D.C. How about Carlson? He, his streak comes to an end. Yeah. Eventually it was going to come to an end, and then he gets a couple of big ones in a career long. Yep. He's a great player. A.J. Cole really needed to punt in this game, but I want to give you know game balls. You always hear about that. The yeah. offensive line played well. They're not a great offensive line. There's going to be changes in the offseason, and Colt Miller didn't play in the game. That was big. But you want to talk about quiet the noise, the offensive line didn't get in a lot of trouble in this game. I thought Derek stood like a statue at times in the pocket because he wasn't feeling the pressure he's normally felt, and then they ran block again. The run blocking cue for Josh Jacobs and opening up holes, that's been the key to Josh's success. It really has, and you know, it's so funny going into that game against Denver, you know that Josh Jacobs is always dominating against the Broncos, so you know the Broncos' defense is saying, we're going to do everything we can to stop him, and oh, by the way, Colton Miller's down too, so going into that game, I thought, oh, uh-oh, that could be some trouble with Colton Miller down as well with all the uh, you know conversations we've had about the offensive line and the the, the uncertainty of who's going to be out there. But there, Munford and Jermaine and Luminor, you got to give them a lot of credit, man. I mean, the offensive line gave up only one sack on Sunday. And like you said, Derek had plenty of time to throw the ball, and Josh just continued to run downhill like he always does against the Broncos. That was one of Max Crosby's greatest games. It was. It's, statistically, yeah. the blocked field goal was massive. Huge. The tackles behind the line of scrimmage, what he's able to do to sack Russell Wilson, and we knew that coming in. Chandler Jones played well, setting the edge, stopping the run. He got to Russell Wilson a couple of times right when Russell Wilson was giving the football up and, and letting it go. So I thought that the defensive line got a push. But what do you think about Max Crosby? That game signifies who he is yep. as a face of the franchise defensive player, a leader in that locker room, and a guy who backs it up on every play. Effort, effort, and more effort when it comes to Max Crosby. I mean, this guy, we know that he can get after the quarterback. He's really put an emphasis this year on stopping the run. He's been doing that. You see him chasing down plays. You even see him get called for a penalty against Russell Wilson. That was very suspect, but you get it, right? By the letter of the law, you get it. But then the guy comes back and says, hey, my bad, I'll make a play on 
on this drive. And not only did he make a play, he made two massive plays, knocking the ball out, causing a fumble on Melvin Gordon, who he knows fumbles the ball, and then to have the effort play, JT, and this is something that doesn't happen in the NFL very very often, to block a field goal attempt was huge. Josh McDaniels was fired up on the sideline. The team was fired up running into the locker room, and that was something I thought they needed. I honestly thought that was the biggest play of the game. I thought the play calling was critical late in the game, and it reminded me of Josh McDaniels with New England. The pass to Foster Moreau. Moreau didn't have a reception mm-hmm. in that game. It was a Gronk route. It was a Gronk route it's on true. the release. It's true. I've, I've seen that route a hundred times with Gronkowski. I've been waiting to see it with Waller, who's not available, and we saw a taste of that with Foster Moreau. The wheel route to Josh Jacobs. Let's see more of that, yeah. because he could turn out here in the next couple of weeks, depending on what happens with Renfro and Waller, to maybe be the number three receiver. This is what mm-hmm. he did at Alabama. Yep. He caught these long passes. He was able to spread the field out, and no one accounted for him. And then I just thought, you know, Devontae was incredible. He is just a freak. Yeah. And when he takes off towards the middle of the field queue, and then he goes to the other You're in wide trouble. side You're of the field, trouble. no one can catch up with him, even if there's initially a double team. Right. You know, the thing about when Devontae runs routes, especially like you said, the middle of the field, it's almost that situation where you have a really good back and you have to be a safety trying to come down and, and tackle him in open field. You don't know what direction he's going to go. That's how Devontae runs his routes. You don't know what direction he's going to go. And the way he set up that play to end the game, I mean, he looks like he's going one direction. All of a sudden, he, he cuts it off and he's going back the other way. Nobody in sight. Pat Sertan is leaning the other way. Once your body's leaning, you're done. One thing I know about Josh McDaniels, he loves that stat, no turnovers. Yep. That's a big yep. thing That's with huge. him. Now, I know he's upset about the penalties, 9 for 98. they got to cut that down. They have to cut that down, and yeah. I think they're working on it. They prep for it all. I think it's so frustrating, the penalty portion of this, but no turnovers for Derek Carr, and Derek was under tremendous pressure on that last drive of the game. Everybody think of this. Derek Carr on that last drive had to set up a field goal. They had first and goal. would have been nice if they won the game. Mm-hmm. When they had first and goal at the seven, they didn't. They get the coin toss, and then they attack. I want to see more attacking like right, that. Right. Raider fans want to see that, where Derek is just going four wide or three wide with Josh behind him and just surveying the field and going quickly. I love the pace at the mm-hmm. end of the game and overtime because, Q, there's a lot of times I'm watching the game, Homer on the road and saying – Man, Raiders are going to need some time left on the clock. Yeah. There's, there's less than two minutes. Don't you wish they had another three minutes left in the game? And this game, they proved they didn't need a lot of time, and they took advantage of it. They played with speed. Yep. They played with confidence with a play caller head coach and a quarterback who are clearly on the same page. No, they really are. And, you know, you talk about it all the time, going up-tempo and not up-tempo where it's fast, but just having that sense of urgency. And, you know, on that wheel route to Josh Jacobs, you saw him grab the ball and run it back to the line of scrimmage. And that Great made point. the Broncos call timeout, right? I mean, the Broncos want the clock to tick, 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 tick. And they had to call timeout just to get set up. But that's when those guys had their sense of urgency. And so that's I like to see that as well. And I feel like Derek Carr really is at his best when he's able to kind of just, you know, get to the line of scrimmage and call it a couple plays, line these guys up, and then go. He really is at his best at that point. I thought the body language was incredible on the sidelines. You saw it after the game. We'll get to that coming up here. The team came together. They swept Denver. I talked about it all week with Q on the radio. One goal, okay, the goal is to make the playoffs to win a championship. But the way this season's going – 
For me, the early goal at the halfway point on Little Pit Pasta was to sweep Denver, cause chaos in the Broncos organization, and there's absolute chaos in Denver today because the Raiders have won six in a row, seven out of the last eight, and they've owned Denver the last couple of years. When we come back, Jason Horowitz will join us, the voice of the Raiders on Raiders Roundtable. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today. 60 years in the making, the Raiders now have a permanent place to call home, and the doors are open to get a world-class behind-the-scenes tour of their new home. An attraction unlike any other in Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. The Las Vegas Raiders invite you to experience the expertly guided tour that includes exclusive access to areas restricted to only football players, coaches, and staff. For more information, visit AllegiantStadium.com forward slash tours. on Monday of last week. You had great resolve, you had great effort in practice, you prepared hard, and you strained, okay? And it took it took 64 minutes? Where's A.J. Cole at? Come on, A.J. Cole. This group, you should believe in yourself, okay? I'm just telling you, you just gotta believe in one another. You gotta keep getting better. We gotta keep working at it. It's been a long season. (laughs) It's November. It's Thanksgiving week. Oh, We got a victory. Fantastic video. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union, along with Q Myers. Jason Horowitz joins us, the voice of the Silver and Black, who's now undefeated against the Broncos and undefeated at Mile High. Jason, you got to be excited. How are you? I uh, I really would like to have been in that locker room. I wanted to jump up and down with those guys and start chanting DC, DC. Like, that was that was fun. And like, you know, what's crazy about that. So I've, I've done some stuff this week in Seattle. I have some friends who are on radio up in Seattle. They've had me on already this week. They're like, what's been so fun about it. The year, the three and seven. I'm like, yeah, but we've had a, the ball in our hands with a chance to win in all, but one of those losses. And so you could feel it. Like you just saw it. We just heard it. All of the emotion that has played for two months to be to this point came out in that game. And uh, I don't know, maybe that starts something going here. Who knows, right? 
Yeah, very well could. And Jason, I mean, how is it for you? You're in the booth, you're making the call, you and Lincoln Kennedy, and all of a sudden you look and you see the play breaking, breaking or shaking out, and Devontae Adams is wide open to walk it off. How does that feel for you calling the play? It feels like it was overdue. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, cause how many times this year on those fourth down plays have they thrown for Devonte and they've been incomplete. So like, you've just been kind of waiting for one of those to happen. Now I didn't expect him to be that open. There wasn't, you know, when you go back and you look at the video, the move that he cuts to his left and then does the post corner um, to get, like, I mean, Pat Sertan is one of the great young corners in the NFL. He was beaten by 15 yards. It was insane. When you go back and you look and you see the video of all that. So I was, I was pretty shocked, frankly, uh, at how, at how wide open he was, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it felt great. And people keep asking me, cause you know, the Raiders put out on Monday, the video of the play and the call. They're like, who are you pointing at? Cause when Lincoln's talking and congratulating Raiders fans, who are you? They're like, who are you pointing at? And I'm like, well, there were a lot of Raiders fans sitting in front of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like I was pointing at them. <laughs> That's who I was pointing at. You know, Jason, it's important that they had a win like this and wish we would have had a number of them before this because it would have meant a little bit more and there's still an opportunity. There's a lot happening here. But what we were talking about before you came on is they looked like they were playing more free and aggressive in overtime. You know, this was a barroom brawl. This was not a great game. Look at the score before that final score there. It could have been won or lost on any play. But what do you think happened in overtime where Derek just got out there? They knew that they could not kick a field goal. They couldn't come off the field with no points. They had to win it. And I hope they play like that the rest of the season with that type of urgency. I actually think JT and you did the post game afterwards. So I know we, you know, kind of, I thought you were going to lose your voice before you even got to the post game. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I actually think it was a good football game. You know, it was only 10, seven at the half, but both teams had moved the football really well. And the only reason the Raiders didn't have a lot more points was, was because of penalties. A couple of them killed the drives and a Daniel Carlson missed field goal, which never happens. And the only reason the Broncos didn't have more points is because Max Crosby made a massive play on a forced fumble and then he blocked a field goal. And so like that was the first half. And then the second half, I mean, they made, you know, Crosby had sacks, Tyler Hall right off the practice squad. Dude's only played in like 12 games ever comes in and makes play after play. He was great. The offense did what they had to do to get in field goal range twice. Carlson drilled a career long. I, I actually thought both teams played really well. And then you get to that last drive. You know, we can talk about Nathaniel Hackett. Why did he pass the football? Why did he give Derek the extra 40 seconds? All those things. But how about Keelan Cole, right? Keelan Cole, who had the huge drop against the Colts, comes back and he's reaching behind him at midfield on that last drive to go to overtime. He makes that huge grab. Huge. He even mm -hmm. set up the play to Josh Jacobs on the on the on the wheel route out of the backfield. So you made play after play, um, which is great. Like they've just, they've had too many missed opportunities this year and that didn't happen on Sunday. No, it didn't. And Jason, going back to that Max Crosby play right before halftime, not to mention, you know, knocking out the ball from Melvin Gordon, who, by the way, gets waved yeah. the very next day. But uh, to be able to block that field goal, that doesn't happen all the time. And that's just an effort play. To me, that was the biggest play of the game. It stopped Denver from scoring. But I felt it gave the Raiders that juice that they needed going into the locker room. Even Josh McDaniels, 100%. who never shows emotion, was fist pumping on the way in. So that yeah. got him fired up. How big and massive was that play by Max? Oh, it was huge. Remember, okay, so so I, I haven't done this this week, and, and I plan to do it before we get to Seattle. 
how many times this season, you guys, have we talked about the opposition scoring a field goal, going into the locker room, and then getting the ball to start the third quarter? I, we talked about it after Kansas City. We talked about it during the Jacksonville game. I want to say we also talked about it during the New Orleans game, although that didn't end up mattering because it wasn't close. But, like, it's every it, – it feels like every single week we've talked – the Colts, the Colts did it. And, and, and so, like, you know, it, when you guys brought me in, you brought me in with the Josh McDaniels video. And I don't know if you guys caught on to this, but he talked to A.J. Cole, right? And he was talking about what A.J. Cole did. I, the, the Raiders have won one yeah. coin toss in regulation one. this year. Mm. One. And, and we, you know, we've had so much fun with it in the booth pregame because we know at this point. And Lincoln keeps <laughs> saying, well, you got to keep calling the same thing because at some point it's 50-50, right? And I'm like, dude, it's actually like they've won 9% of coin tosses. That's a far cry from 50-50. <laughs> so like AJ Cole getting the coin toss, like you saw it, he had his fist in the air. He was so fired up. He's like, we don't win coin tosses. <laughs> um, so like all of that stuff too was great. I, 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 you could feel, you could just feel it. And JT, you asked about momentum. You asked about playing freely. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this one, now that you get the monkey off your back and you don't worry about losing every single one possession game, maybe you do change it up a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that something great has to come out of this, not something good. That's what we're optimistic about. Maybe something clicked here. I want to stay with Max Crosby and his opportunity to be the defensive player of the year. He's not going to break the single season sack record, but the tackles for losses, I think the way he's playing against the run is key. Because Chandler Jones is playing very well, setting the edge recently and against the run. The sacks haven't been there for Chandler or Max, but Max was just dominant in that game. And I was on Denver radio leading up to that game, and people want to know more and more about him. Other radio hosts, play-by-play voices, what is it like to see this guy? And I always say the preparation is always the same. The preparation at practice, meetings, you never have to worry about this guy. He is a face of the franchise, but he doesn't want to be that guy. He just wants to be a leader and help everybody out. I think this is a miraculous year for him, what he's doing. And overall, he's not done. I think that now he's even more energized to get the rest of this team to play like he is with his speed. Yeah. So Max Crosby, no question, is having a defensive player of the year season. I don't ultimately think, JT, unless something changes here in the last seven games, that he'll win it because I have a hard time believing that voters will vote for a guy on a team that is struggling statistically the way that the Raiders yes. are mm-hmm. um, for as, as a whole. Um, that being said, the record by one guy of a, 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 the record for a percentage of a team sacks by one guy is like 57%. He has nine of the team's 13 sacks. And so we're talking about like 72% mm-hmm. through 10 games of this season. He is leading the NFL, or at least he was before last night, in tackles for loss. Uh, he All of those things. He has the blocked field goal. You never have to worry about what he's doing. So you're right. He has. There's a whole lot of things that could put him up there for Defensive Player of the Year. Ultimately, will it end up going to Micah Parsons, Matthew Judon, you know, one of those guys? Maybe. Miles Garrett for Cleveland, although their record stinks too. So, I, you know, I don't know that he'll win it. But, but he's... Absolutely. To your point about face of the franchise, they gave him the big contract and he has outperformed 
which is which is hard to say, which is hard to do. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. A lot of times guys get fat and happy, and that's exactly opposite of Max Crosby. He got the contract yeah. and continued to work and even get better. And, you know, in the second half in particular of that game, the defense I thought really stepped up as a whole, right? I feel like Patrick Graham went back into the lab in the locker room and, and made a few tweaks from the, from the booth. What were you able to see different from the Raiders' defense in that second half? So Sam Webb really struggled in the first half. And when he was back out there in the second half, there was still, there was missed tackles, right? Like you, you guys saw it in the first half that led to some big plays. And, and, and frankly, I know Sam Webb's the undrafted free agent and and made the roster because of how well he played in preseason, but he has played well, mm-hmm. you know, the last couple of weeks, he really has been a consistent fact for this team when they've been missing Nate Hobbs. And it's possible that Nate Hobbs returns this week against Seattle, which would be huge. He's eligible to return from the broken hand. So that would be big. But you could tell in the second half, even before Deron Harmon got hurt, the emphasis was we're going to go with different guys. Roderick Teamer, who has not been on the field for a lot of defensive snaps the last few weeks, was on the field almost exclusively in the second half. And he did not miss any tackles. He was right there. They were not giving any separation to the Broncos receivers in the flat. Um, Tyler Hall, we mentioned him with the sack. He played really well. Mm -hmm. He had a phenomenal second half. And I don't know that anybody expected that going into the game, at least outwardly. He was promoted on Saturday. I don't think anybody knew what to expect from him. Um, So those two guys really stepped up in the secondary. And you could tell Rocky seen as well. All of the cushion that was given to the Broncos receivers in the first half, which allowed them to break away and make some big plays, that was gone. And and so Russell Wilson, with the exception of one drive, they didn't move the football at all. That is a really good point because I've been really critical about the fact that the cushions have been too big, especially for a yeah. guy like Rocky Sin, who you trade for. You're not developing him. Okay, right. this is not an undrafted guy. He's got to be a shutdown guy. He's got to take the place of Casey Hayward. He's got to be a really good player. I couldn't believe some of these games, eight, nine-yard cushions. Decide what you want to do with him. He's a guy who should be playing bump and run. He's a guy that should be physical, and he's a guy who should be knocking balls away and intercepting balls. And that was a very good point you made because I think something clicked in this game. I think that Patrick Graham said, we got to do something completely different here. If we're going to win this game, we're going to have to continue to get off the field and we're going to have to make a play or two. And I saw something click with this defense. And I'll tell you this too, Jason, I think it sent a message to the offense and the defense. If you're not ready to play, you're coming off IR, you're not ready to go, or you're going on IR, we're going to put the guys on this field who want to play. And we're going to put the guys on the field who are ready to play and make plays and put their name on tape and their skill set on tape so they're going to get a job down the road if Dave Ziegler doesn't bring them back or they're going to be invited to camp next year and they're going to compete for a position and they're going to have some highlights like we saw in this game. I just think something clicked defensively. Now, if it doesn't happen in Seattle, forget what I say here, but they better build on this because going up to play Geno and those wide receivers, they're looking at the tape too and they're going to be on the attack mode. Can, can, can I, and this is not, you know, this is obviously not about the Raiders here, what I could, but you just, but everything you just said, and then you followed it up with going up to play Gino is really interesting because Gino Smith is a guy that sat behind Russell Wilson. He was drafted by the jets, you know, mid second round. He, and like, we're talking about a decade later and he's finally getting an opportunity to shine and he's done it this year. Right. And that's kind of a cool story. Again, Raiders don't care about that. You know, they'd love to shut him down and make him look like the Geno Smith that is like, why? This is why the Seahawks are going to go three and 14. Um, But, you know, from an NFL standpoint, from an NFL storyline of the season, that part's kind of cool. 
And now you go into some of those guys that you were just talking about, some of those guys that you don't expect to be making the plays, and they have a chance to do that. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I hope, first of all, love the Sam Webb story. Uh, and Eddie Pascal had, you know, Sam on the podcast earlier. And I know you guys uh, at one point this year, I think, had the, his college coach, right, on Raider Nation Radio. Yep. yep. I think you guys brought his college coach on cue. So, like, that's and, – and I hope he bounces back from the Denver game because, again, I, it's been really great to see how well he has played when he's been out there, especially against the Colts. Um, so I hope he gets that chance, and I hope he does bounce back. But, you know, I, I think we'll see more Tyler Hall. Uh, we saw they, they traded for – or they uh, signed Sidney Jones – Cut from Seattle. He played the first game. He started the first game against the Colts, played like 20 snaps, and then he was a healthy scratch this week. So there's, to your point, JT, about guys that are going to be showing up on a weekly basis, undrafted free agent, sixth round, seventh round, who cares? Who's going to make the plays and who's going to be able to, you know, particularly in this Patrick Graham defense that Lincoln talks about every single week where to play it the way that he wants to play it, you cannot be giving those guys that much cushion. And, you know, it hasn't worked to this point, but it did on Sunday. Jason, want to flip things over to the offensive side of things. And we started off talking about the walk-off to Devontae Adams and how great that was and how wide open he was able to get. But the guy has 925 yards on the season and 10 touchdowns, you know, tied for the league lead in touchdown catches. Do you ever get caught up just kind of watching how it looks almost effortless the way he's able to run his routes and get open and, and make a, a, a nice, nice target for a Derek Carr to throw the ball to? So, so we've talked about this before. Um, you know, when you're calling the game, it, it, and it also, by the way, this changes if you're calling the game with binoculars or without binoculars. And this is kind of like inside baseball here of broadcasting. But when you're calling a game on radio, Lincoln's job is to watch the safeties and the formations and where the linebackers are going. It's hard to do all that when you're calling it because, you know, you're calling it, especially on radio, by following the ball. Mm -hmm. That being said, uh, on the walk-off touchdown, even my eyes could see how wide open he was. <laughs> you're like in the corner of my eye, I saw him break free because, you know, you're able to see 20, 30 yards at once and all of that stuff. So, um, so that part's great. So I, I'm not always able to see what's happening on a route, you know, in reference to where Devonte is. Cause I want to make sure what Derek's doing. If Derek's looking right, my eyes go that way, just like a, you know, someone who's watching on TV. And then if he comes back left, so I'm not always able to see it, but then when you go back and you watch it again, it is amazing. Uh, how good this guy is like Devante is unbelievable. He he really is. And I don't know what the year is going to finish up at where, you know, we're talking 10 touchdowns uh, until Travis Kelsey had another uh, game this weekend with three. He was leading the NFL mm -hmm. and he might do it again. I mean, he, he might end up with 18, 19 touchdowns. He might end up breaking Raiders records, which is crazy to say when you think about how the great hall of famers that the Raiders have. Uh, but, but you know, the fact that they have been in all these games when you talk about Hunter Renfro not playing more than half the games, Darren Waller not playing more than half the games, and the other team knows that he's the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy that's been the best receiver in the NFL, give or take, for the last seven, eight years. And, and he's the one they can go to that can beat us. And yet somehow he does it time and time again. It's remarkable. Yeah, I it really is. I really think you're making a great point on that because without Waller and Renfro, he has to be the go-to guy. What I'm also noticing, and walk me through this, is he's, a, he's very productive over the middle of the field. There's a lot of times where yep. 
Derek throws him balls that aren't a high percentage pass. I've been critical of that, too. They're on the sideline. They're high. Devontae's got to go get it and toe tap. And that's a tough percentage catch. And I notice when Devontae goes over the middle of the field, he want, he's so aggressive. I talked to Coach about this, of getting that extra yak and getting those five or six yards. He can sense where the marker is. I like Devontae living more over the middle of the field. And as you talked about that brilliant route, as he started and cut out to the post on the other side, that was a brilliant route because that's what was open. So I hope we see more of Devontae in motion, starting off over the middle of the field, bringing intensity to him there, and then he can break away and make a big play and have more field to make a play instead of having to be perfect on the sideline. Your thoughts? I I, I think a couple of things. Number one, I, I, I think – in the Denver game, I, do you remember when Devontae got the the unsportsmanlike mm-hmm. uh, conduct for, for for talking to the officials? He had gotten drilled over the middle, right? There was a and that's your point about passes, JT from D, from Derek that aren't necessarily the highest. Uh, de- well, they're very high degree of difficulty, but not the highest percentage of completion. And that one was where he was right between three guys and got sandwiched. And the rest of that game, you know, you could see it. There was they were throwing to him over the middle, but he was bracketed. There were two or three guys around him at all the time. And some of those were really difficult, but they're going that direction and they have gone that direction. And to your point, I don't know what the number is. Maybe someone at pro football focus has it. The amount of catches that he has made this year where he's five yards or more before the first down marker breaks the tackle and then gets the first down. That's gotta be close to tops in the league. He, he's spinning out of tackles. He's dragging defenders. He's, do, he's doing what Josh Jacobs is doing, <laughs> which is show basically effort, right? Effort, heart, toughness, all those things. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, the you know, the big three that are playing right now on offense, Derek, Josh, Devontae, and that doesn't take away anything else from all the other guys because I think Foster's playing a big part and his catch in overtime was huge. Mac has had a big part in this offense and he made a couple of big plays. But those big three have to put up big numbers for them to win. And, man, did those guys deliver on Sunday. And you gave me a perfect segue to get into Josh Jacobs and what he's been able to do, not only against Denver every time he faces Denver, but also this season. I mean, he's got 930 yards. The next leading rusher for the Raiders is Derek Carr with 67. So, I mean, it's been all Josh well, Jacobs. What have you thought and, about his performances? Q, yeah, well, and not only that, Q, not only the yards, uh, you have to go look at the attempts. Right. Right. Like, and I, I don't remember did Derek. I don't think Derek had a rushing attempt. And if he did, he had one on Sunday. Um, but going into the game, Josh Jacobs had 159 rushing attempts. The next most by a Raiders running back is eight. Right. And that was Zamir White yep. and Brandon Bolden. I think Brandon had one carry. So we're not talking like. 190, 180 to nine. Mm. Like that's like, right. that is insane. And Derek has 15 or 16. So like, we're getting up in that percentage where it used to be, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Marcus Allen era, the, 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 the era of, of every team has a bell cow back. Yep. They're going to get the ball 25 times a game and nobody else is going to touch the ball out of the backfield. Like we're getting into that department. And, and I know Colton Miller didn't play, so the Raiders didn't use as much of the six offensive line formation. They didn't bring in Jackson Barton to, to be an extra offensive lineman like they had been doing with either Jermaine or Luminor or Thayer Munford. Um, and, and so you're using more Jakob Johnson as a, as a fullback, which you don't see in the NFL very often. You know, that's, that's 30% of the Raiders' offense. That's not unusual for them. They do that all the time. 
and and it's been awesome. You know, it looks like 1990s football, <laughs> and and you know it's working for them, yeah. which is which is great. And to your point about Josh, man, the the amount of times that guy falls forward for an extra three yards, um, the amount of time that that guy should get tackled in the backfield and turns it into a four or five yard carry, or it's sometimes a ten yard carry, it's been special. And do you guys remember when we first met in Canton? That was the first time we met in person. And do you remember what the story was? Yeah, the game point. was a Thursday night. What was the story Friday? Oh, they're looking to trade Josh. Yeah, yeah. Josh, you know, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Clearly, they're looking to trade him. You don't give a running back all those first-quarter carries in the opener of the preseason. If you, uh, I don't know if they're planning to do what they're going to do in the offseason, but he's showing he's one of the two or three best backs right now in the NFL. And that's a fair topic. Look, Dave Ziegler comes here. It wasn't his guy. He played in Canton. Yeah. People were shocked. Yep. We talked about that. And then they wanted to evaluate him. Yeah. I have no problem with that. And Josh is going to get rewarded with the Raiders or someone else. He's having a great year. Hopefully he stays with the Raiders and they give him a really good offer. And he's playing his butt off because he wants a contract. But that talks behind us now because I just think he wants to win. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking about the way he is running and the, the extra yep. yards, as you said, his career against Denver is really important because <laughs> the Raiders are going to be playing Denver, as we all know, twice a year. And for whatever works, the Raiders own Denver now. They've won six in a row, seven out of eight. Vic Fangio got fired. Nathaniel Hackett, we were talking about, is really on thin ice mm -hmm. because this last game afterwards, they didn't know what was going on. Russell Wilson the, the, going back to that play where he decided to throw and not eat another 40 seconds off, we saw Tyler Heineke do it for Washington when he went to a knee and got hit, and they ended the game on a 15-yard penalty. And I looked at this game. You don't want to give – you had they had the Raiders on the ropes. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to give – the game wasn't going to be won on a third-down completion from Russell Wilson. If it was, you tip your cap. But the basic knowledge of what to do at that time between a head coach mm -hmm. and a quarterback and a head coach who decided not to call the – plays anymore right that to me that to right. me yeah. is basically yeah. the dagger for him mm -hmm. and it was another opportunity jason for the raiders to perform chaos in denver because denver yeah. despises the raiders and you're new to this now you'll see it in kansas city forget about the Chargers for a minute oh i experienced it yeah <laughs> i experienced it yep. for denver denver is now in chaos because of josh jacobs yeah Derek Carr, yeah. Devontae, it put Patrick Sertan in a really tough spot because yep. he just didn't play disciplined football. They couldn't tackle Josh Jacobs, and Josh McDaniels clearly called an excellent game, especially in overtime. So I think the Raiders accomplished a lot getting out of Denver sweeping the series. So, so go back to your point about clock management. The incompletion happens. There's a minute 53 left on the clock. Let's say they run the football. They, you know, it was the two minute warning. So let's say it takes five seconds. You've run the 40. The Raiders get the ball back with, say, a minute 10 to play. All right. They're mm -hmm. coming off a punt. Uh, let's say they get it around the same spot, 35, 30 yard line. I don't exactly remember where the drive started, but you're going to have the ball with maybe a minute five, a minute 10, no timeouts. Think about what happened on that drive. There was a throw over the middle to Keelan Cole. There was a throw to Josh Jacobs, which probably doesn't happen. Um, there were, you know, all that stuff was open to them because they had so much time. Mm -hmm. And remember, they only needed a field goal, right? They didn't need a touchdown. They only needed a field goal. And Carlson had already made a career long 57 going into that end zone. So, so yeah, look, it, 
all the things. Is it possible the Raiders would have done it anyway? Yeah, of course it is. It's possible. They got down inside the 10-yard line with 40 seconds. So maybe they didn't need the 40 seconds. But but it but when your mind says you only have 65 seconds as opposed to a full two minutes or whatever it was when they got the ball back, minute 45, I, I think there's a different mentality. And so, yeah, it was a bad decision by a coach who has been criticized all year long for making bad decisions. And it was a bad throw by a quarterback who's made a lot of bad throws this year, which is very uncharacteristic of his career. So, Jason, headed to Seattle now. Can the Raiders build off of what you saw them do, especially in the second half and overtime against Denver? Can they take that and can they get that juice and take it to Seattle against the Seahawks on Sunday? Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so. First of all, I've never I've been to Seattle. Um, and obviously the Raiders have this history right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a note today from you guys know, I've been doing this whole Bo Jackson thing all year. Mm-hmm. And I got a note today from my buddies at CBS. Um, you know, they're like reminding me that it's the, it's the anniversary of Bo running over Boz. So like, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe there's some symmetry there. Maybe you've got the aspect of it's coming of, together. Of all <laughs> of the, it's all coming together at the right time. <laughs> no, so I hope so. I really do. You know, the Seahawks, they don't, you know, it's funny. We think about what the, what they were with the Legion of Boom and Richard Sherman, who's now part of the Thursday Night Football Amazon prime coverage. And he's really entertaining. And, and the guys that were there that aren't there anymore, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, all those guys who aren't there. Um, but what they do have is a whole bunch of guys that, that aren't named guys. You know, they're not big names if people haven't paid attention to this particular year. But, man, oh, man, are they playing well. Mm-hmm. Tariq Woolen is a fifth-round pick who, who, who might not just be, you know, defensive rookie of the year. He might be, you know, second-team All-Pro. He le- mm-hmm. He's got five picks. Right. Yeah. He, had, he had a pick in four straight games. They've got safeties who they've got, you know, Jamal Adams got hurt week one. They've got safeties who have been, you know, guys who have been journeymen who are f- creating havoc. They, they've got a, a cornerback named Michael Thomas who, who, you know, really hadn't played at all. I'm sorry, Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. who really hadn't played at all. And, and now he's kind of like the opposite shutdown corner. So, so the Raiders are going to have their work cut out for them. There's no question about it. Um, they've got tackling machines at linebacker in, in, you know, a couple, couple of different guys, including Jackson Barton's brother, Connor. Uh, so, so they've got the, those two guys in the middle. So that'll be something that'll be more difficult for Josh Jacobs and company to run against. But guys, when we played Denver the first time and this time, they're one of the best running defenses in the NFL ran for hundred yards, both time. When we played Kansas city, they were the best rush defense in the NFL. And and we scored 29 and should have been 30. And, you know, who knows? Maybe that game should have gone to overtime. So so I think this team can do it offensively. The question is what it has been all year. Can they get enough stops consistently at the biggest moments to then let the offense do what they have to do? And it, you know, the reality is, is the defense at key moments. We can, we can criticize what's happened statistically all year long, but the defense at times has gotten off the field when they've had to, to give the ball back to Derek and Derek capitalized on Sunday. If it happens again, will they convert again? Well, we'll find out. Well, you're going to have a great trip. This is hmm. one of the loudest venues period in sports. I'm talking yep. preseason games. I've been on the sideline, the fourth preseason game. And these fans were going nuts and it was as loud as any place you could be. And the good news for you, you're going to have a nice dinner. Cause you stepped in for Lincoln Kennedy. He's a Washington Husky legend. He knows all the restaurants there. Yes. You're going to be walking in with royalty. So Jason, thanks for stepping up and doing this. We really appreciate you.
You know, Lincoln's never been in the underground tour in Seattle. Have you guys ever been in the underground tour in Seattle? I have not, but if no. I did, I'd want to go with Lincoln. Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you have to not be afraid of being trapped underground, though, right? Because, like, this whole part of the city that's, like, built underneath and, like, oh, it's great. All right. Look at the history. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to have a great trip, and, and I'm looking forward to it. Cannot wait. Thanks for joining us on Raiders Roundtable. That's Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Silver and Black. When we come back, we'll take a look at the schedule in front of us, a couple of games around the AFC West as we continue. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today. We're wrapping it up on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. Thanks to Jason Horowitz, who got a win. He's excited. Yeah. You can tell. It's his first year. Got to walk it. it off. That's his first walk-off. It's a great honor for him. <laughs> when you're the voice right. of the silver and black, you can tell how great of a job he's doing. So Kansas City went into L.A. Mm-hmm. and beat the Chargers, which is kind of good for the Raiders if you take a look at the overall picture here, Q. But this issue with Mahomes leaving time on the clock for him, I compared him on my radio shows to Brady, Roger Staubach, uh, the great John great. Elway. Yeah. He's right there now. I don't need to see another game from this guy to put him on that list. What he did was incredible, and especially no one seems to want to pick up Kelsey. No, I know. It's, it's so funny. You wonder. I asked uh, Jason about Devontae Adams being wide open. Seems like Travis Kelsey, Amazing. when they need it the most, is always open, right? It's incredible. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is, is you know, he's at a, in, in that elite conversation. We already know that. Uh, I saw as soon as the Chargers scored, I looked at the, immediately at the clock and said, oh, there's way too much time. Patrick Mahomes is going to do something, whether it's with his arm or his legs, because he, gets, he finds a way to get it done with both. Well, they have good edge rushers in L.A., mm-hmm. and they got Derwin James, and Derwin James got burned. Yeah. I mean, he got burned. Everybody says how great he is. He's not available all the time. He's a great player when healthy, Absolutely. but that was an example. Pro bowler on pro bowler, and Kelsey ended up winning that, and Justin Herbert's a hell of a player. I think he's elite, and he led the team down for a score, but Q, everybody was watching that game saying, oh, they left time for Mahomes. They <laughs> right. left time for Mahomes, and he did it again. He did it again, and that's just what he's going to continue to do, and, and like you said, man, I thought it was a good thing for the Raiders in, in particular. If you're looking at them uh, having Kansas City win that game, look, the Chargers only have five wins on the season. Right? I know the Raiders haven't had the season that they want, but they're sitting right behind them, and they play them in a couple weeks. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You know, obviously it's game by game, but the Chargers are right there in front of the Raiders, and so a lot could happen in between now and then. Well, the game coming up with the Chargers is huge. huge. It's the ultimate payback game for yep. the Chargers. They got eliminated at Allegiant Stadium last year in what I believe is a Mount Rushmore, one of the greatest regular yes. season games of all time. They'll be ready to go, and the Chargers are always like this. Their expectations are so high. Mm-hmm. Raiders had high expectations this year, and a lot of people People thought Denver was going to win the AFC, and look what's happening there. And that's an interesting point. If you look at what's happening, 
The AFC West did not live up to the standards no, so far enough. this year, but they did for Kansas City. Kansas City looks good. Right. It was so funny. This year, I know me in particular said, yeah, this is the year where anyone could win the AFC West. You know, this might be the year now that Tyreek Hill's not in Kansas City. Maybe they take a step back. No, they're just 8-2, and two, right? And, and then they've done their job, and the rest of the AFC West is kind of up in the air. But uh, I like the Raiders' chances, right? I mean, if you tell me that the Raiders have seven games left and they're right behind the San, Di- the San Diego, the L.A. Chargers as they are, I like their chances. The other big thing is Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, I thought, would run away and hide this year. They haven't been able to do that. So Kansas City is playing for home field throughout, depending on what happens the rest of the way. You know, I've name drop here. I talked to Fred Bolitnikoff before the podcast, and Freddie B was going through every game with me. It was so cool. He talked about how important the Seattle game is. Everything has to go about Seattle. Beat Seattle. But then after that, this Hall of Fame legend's going – quarterback by quarterback, game by game, nice. going, we can win this one, yeah. we can win this one, That's we awesome. get them here as they're coming off that game. And I just wanted to share that with Fred and all these alumni because they won so many games, mm-hmm. they never say, well, it's over or we can't win or right. we can't get on a roll. They're always believing, being legendary Raiders, that they can win every game. Right, and that's the thing about it. And I had someone call in on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Monday, and they said, look, man, if Philadelphia can start the season on an eight-game winning streak, and if there's a yeah. point in the season when you know the, the Patriots last season could win seven in a row, and if teams could go on streaks like that, why not? He said straight up, why not us? And I said, well, that's a good point. Looking at that schedule, that's a beast of a schedule. Yeah, no is. one thought Seattle would be that good. Tip your cap to Geno and what they're able to do. And I'll take, I'll play Geno any day. Okay, I know Geno was not even a good backup quarterback no. most of his career, but he's playing great. He, mm-hmm. he will be a comeback player of the year. He'll get a lot of awards this year if they can hold on. The Charger game, as we talked about, is the Raiders will come home to kick off December. And then a short week, right? Q, look at yeah. that. They go from December 4th to December 8th. Yep. And the Rams here are really struggling. And then the Patriot game at home, and it's, they haven't played each other in a long time, and that's going to be a game between Belichick and Josh McDaniels right. that the whole country is going to want to talk about. No doubt. And you know the Patriots. Patriots, we've seen their offense. It's not great, but their defense is really good. Yeah. And their defense is going to make it very difficult. And we've seen that the Raiders can win those kind of games. So, again, I mean, we can look at the schedule and say, okay, this is the quarterback that they're facing. This is the guy, the team that they're facing. But ultimately, right now, sitting at 3-7, and seven, it's game by game. The next team up, as you mentioned, is Geno Smith and Seattle Seahawks. He is not the greatest quarterback, but he's having a heck of a season. So you got to give him a lot of props for figuring it out, doing something. He's not only going to earn some awards, he's going to make some money this offseason as well. Yeah, and this, when the schedule came out, we did our schedule release. Yeah show we knew that it was front loaded and back loaded yeah and the Raiders were playing a second place schedule because they won 10 games last year so it was going to be a very tough schedule but they had that middle portion where they should have stacked wins and they didn't right but they picked up a big win at Denver as we've covered that and that was huge because of the sweep of Denver where they stand as two organizations going forward and you know Russell Wilson's a hell of a player he's eventually going to get it right there yeah if they make a coaching change or not but You know, for this particular edition of Raiders Roundtable, I think that it started with the coach, and I wanted to end with the coach because the coach has handled it. You sit in front of him. You're at every press conference, and he's taking it. And he goes through every game and why they weren't able to win. I think this coach deserves a lot of credit with his staff for having the team ready to go, putting it away, and putting it away with an exclamation point. He really does, and he answers every single question. And, you know, whenever we have a question about a certain call or whatever, I mean, he's up there, and he'll break it down on why this was the decision, what 
he was thinking about and even, you know, maybe the, the A and B of it. Okay, maybe we do it this way. Maybe we do it this way. This is why we did it that way. And, you know, and again, continues to talk about stacking, 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 and not only having success right away, but also sustaining it for the future. Well, share this podcast with everybody if you can. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Raider Nation Radio, if you're at Raiders.com, we really appreciate it. We want to wish you a great Thanksgiving yes. holiday. Have a safe and great holiday with your friends and family. We'll be back next week after the Seattle game. Hopefully a win. Get you ready for the Chargers. And we appreciate you listening and watching to Raiders Roundtable.